Welcome to Real Estate Coaching Radio, starring award-winning real estate coaches and number one international best-selling authors, Tim and Julie Harris. This is the number one daily radio show for realtors looking for a no BS, authentic, real-time coaching experience. What's really working in today's market, how to generate more leads, make more money, and have more time for what you love in your life. And now your hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. Three, two, one, and we're back. And Julie, it is June the 23rd, and we have a really fun show for all of them. This is going to yes. be, what do you think, a two or three-parter? Probably three, because I'm sure that we'll sprinkle it with coaching client stories, et cetera, to demonstrate our points. Right. So here's the topic, and here's the theme. So you didn't take the listing. Why not? So we're going to assume, as you go through this uh, go through these series of podcasts, that, we're, that you've at least had the opportunity to uh, take a listing. You've gone to a listing appointment. Maybe you followed our system. You set the listing yourself proactively, you know, generated the lead proactively. You've pre-qualified. You sent the pre-listing pack. You did everything to the letter, and yet you didn't take the listing. And we're going to go through all the reasons why, after having hundreds of thousands of coaching calls, why you probably didn't take the listing. And if you're just getting started learning how to be a listing agent, this is going to be an, an incredible list of things not to ever do. <laughs> yes, I call them listing traps, actually. Yeah, that's good. I like you it. Know. So you could get snared in any one of these. And, you know, of course, the, the newbies are probably a little bit more at risk at this stuff because they're in unconscious incompetence. They don't know the questions even to ask yet because they're gathering their experience. But there's a lot of traps in here we'll talk about that our grizzled veterans fall into partially and sometimes because they're so successful. Do you think like for every 100 agents that join us, mm -hmm. let's say 50 of them are brand new and 50 of them are, uh, you know, they're mixture, right? So yeah. they've been in business for five years and they've been selling, sure. you know, they've been making say 50 to 75,000 a year. So, you know, we have obviously thousands of coaching mm -hmm. clients all over the all over the world and i was just showing you we have a whole bunch of colombia now I know, too which is in crazy Mexico and Spain. right so the question i have for you is if you had to um, if there was a competition and you had to basically pick 10 agents mm -hmm. from the list of 100 let's say that joined you know whatever and half of them like i said are brand new mm -hmm. brand newish half of them are seasoned ish you know and you want, and your goal was to basically take your ten and get them to say, in you know, ninety days or less, they all have to take, say, for example, fifteen listings and have ten closings and the rest of it. In other words, there are specific parameters that you have to coach okay. them up to do. Sure. Would you rather have brand new agents? Or would you rather have grizzled veteran agents that are supposedly experienced? I mean, honestly, I love them all. Okay, and and we're here for all of them. But you have to choose. And but why? if I had to choose from a coaching perspective. I probably would go with the less experienced agents because they're more open to coaching. I was actually they have thinking, fewer bad habits. I was thinking the same thing, yeah. and there and that's the exact reason because you don't have to spend so much time deprogramming. Exactly, and that's the biggest problem you have when you've been in the business for a long time. You have, generally speaking, you've had a lot of good experiences, a lot of bad experiences, but you've got a lot of you're licking a lot of wounds from um, you know really ideas that didn't work from falling you know for one shiny object after another and maybe you decide to work on your branding and you've confused long ago you forgot what the difference is between real work and just basically work theater right people have convinced you that real work is you know working on your brand your logo making videos doing social yeah. networking doing all this mickey mouse you you were convinced that that's real work um, and it's going to be difficult for us to convince you that it's not real work to get you to the point where you're actually willing to do the real work, I would say. Yes. And a brand new agent who's not been, um, I think, 
I don't know what the word would be. Help me out here. Fooled into believing that real work. Confused, that, that, bombarded, you know. Right, that, that work theater is real work. They're going to be less uh, resistive yes. to, frankly, doing the real work. Mm-hmm. So if they don't, if they haven't been fooled into believing there's other ways to uh, go about actually building a you know, long-term real estate career with, that has profit margins of 50, 60, 70%, which is really sure. the mission that we have for all of our clients. Um, yeah, they're going to be the ones that ultimately I think are going to take. They say things like, just tell me what to do. Exactly. You know, yeah. so let's, I'm going to talk to you about that before we get to the mm-hmm. first point. Mm-hmm. Give me the profile of the agent that says, just tell me what to do. Like we do get those, right? They'll join yeah. our coaching program. They'll say, I don't want to, you know, look, I, I've been getting ready to get started in various levels of my life for a long damn mm-hmm. time, right? Yeah. You know, I've been carrying around the extra 20 pounds for 20 years sure. and I don't, I know what it means to get ready to get started. And I don't want to do that. This real estate career is something I've always wanted to do. Always wanted to work for myself. I want to make this be part of my long-term legacy you know, for all kinds of different reasons. And I just want to uh, get started and not waste time. I don't want to trial and error things. Tell me what to do. Well, you, Give them the profile. You just person. were the profile because you demonstrated it by your level of commitment. Okay? Yeah, I think that's true. You, you said, I'm going to make this work. What you, the ones that are harder to coach, are the ones that are like, I'm trying it out. We'll see how it goes. You know, this is like my side hustle. And, you know, that they present that way. It's okay for real estate to be part-time, but it's not okay for you to not take it seriously. So the ones that are that sound like they're kind of just dabbling are less coachable because they are also typically more skeptical and will argue with you. Well, you and I talked about this yesterday. Yeah. We went on mm-hmm. our six mile sojourn yesterday yeah. around the property, right? Mm-hmm. And we are and, and we are talking back and forth why it is that pretty much any in any sort of you know sales environment, whether it be just there's essentially usually single digits of people that will succeed. Let alone succeed at a high level. Sure. Like that will five actually per- take the action. Right. Yeah. 3%, 5%. And then you and I were talking why that's true. Why are there so few people ultimately when everyone has essentially, you could argue that, you know, let's set aside all the preconceived notions that people have about each other and about other people. You're not too fat. You're not too old. You're not too smart. You're not too dumb. You're not too this or the other thing, right? Because mm-hmm. everyone at the end of the day has access to the same information, be it our coaching or being, you can find a great mentor and you can learn a lot of great things that way. So if everyone, if the level, if the playing field is more or less level, right? It is because everyone has equal access. Right. And it, so what is, why is it that only three or 5% mm-hmm. of most people in any aspect of life become the, the top performers? Why? Because most people reach a certain stage in life, a certain existence, and they become comfortable there. And that's the conclusion we came to. <laughs> that's what that's the I, short version. That's what Julie and I talked about for 90 minutes. Because we're trying to understand, like people have, there's been whole industries that have been created right the self-improvement industry and all these other things that are supposed to help you unriddle or essentially solve for the what we just proposed why is it that so few people actually succeed at the highest level and really at the end of the day again it's not lack of information um, it's not lack of knowing what your big why is or not having your vision sure. boards or your goals and all the rest it's of it not really lack of finding help because it's easy it's, it's what Julie said, and that's the conclusion we came to. And I'd really love to know what you guys think about that. You know, uh, text me, and, and it, we'd love to continue this conversation because it really does cut through the BS, doesn't it? So if at the end of the day, if you again, you take those 100 people and, you know, you were to choose, you know, 10 that you're going to personally work with for the next uh, 30 days, of the 10, mm-hmm. there'll probably only be one or two that actually do for it. For sure. Now, the others that don't do it, even if you give them the exact same information, mm-hmm. they'd want, they aren't going to do it just because they're comfortable, not just in their own situation, yes. but I think we'll, ultimately they're experiencing a, a psychological complacency. And that's when sure. you and I, that's, and that's what we were, uh, Julie and I were drilling down on in our long walk is that 
what people do is when they when they have reached a certain level of financial uh, obviously stability it's not even you know wealth it's just stability where they have 60 to 90 days worth of cash flow coming in but more importantly everyone around them is exactly the same financially everyone's the same you know everyone around yeah, them give and or their, take a little bit and yeah. their and their family and their community and their neighborhood everyone is basically the same and so what happens is subconsciously you fear the loss of that sense of community if you all of a sudden start to break free of that. It goes back to the whole crabs in a bucket story, right? You put a bunch of crabs in a bucket, and if one of the crabs tries to throw a claw over and pull itself out, then the other crabs are going to grab hold of it and pull it back in. And that's what happens a lot of times. Now, that's obviously a very visual way of thinking about it, but that's what happens that we choose to – we're all in a bucket of some variety, right? And we choose to uh, stay in that bucket because we want it because there's more security being amongst others that we perceive that are like us. And furthermore, and this is something also I think that's very uh, this surprises a lot of people. When you start becoming successful, if you give your oppor- yourself the opportunity to be of service to a lot of people to the point where you start to accumulate uh, success in a meaningful way, you start to accumulate wealth. Let alone maybe you get rich where your money works for you and you no longer work for your money. Um, you think that all your friends and your family are going to celebrate your um, your ascension, and that's not true. And what you'll experience, and unfortunately this is true, a lot of people will reject you. And a lot of you know that because you've already experienced little jabs from um, your ascension, from actually becoming more successful. People start to say things like, don't forget where you're from, and stop and smell the roses. And there's so many different little innocuous, helpful, wink, wink things that people will say to you. And where oftentimes a lot of the subversive advice comes from is from the people who should know better than saying those things to you in the first place. But most importantly, are your friends and your family, they're the ones that are going to be oftentimes the least supportive in, in, a, in the most meaningful of ways of your success because they feel you're rejecting them. Can you explain that, Julie? Well, yeah, and they, they, would, they probably would not express it that way, but that's how they're feeling. Right, because you're the crab that's getting out of the bucket, mm-hmm. and they're not sure quite how to process that. Does that mean that you know you must not be happy with the rest of your situation? Why are you not? Ha- why is this not good enough for you? Right, and so because they're not used to um, digesting that information, most people, and those of you who do real estate transactions, are quite clear on this. Most people's default is to go negative. Unfortunately. It's not to automatically be supportive. It's something, well, it must be wrong with me or, you know. Well, that where's that negative thing. come from? The negative comes from fear of no longer being in the tribe, right? Yeah. The negative comes from fear of no longer feeling like you're in your protective you little cocoon. You feel rejected a little bit. Right. You feel rejected. And again, these are the types of, you know, when Julie and I were trying to think, okay, how can, how can we be even getting our, taking our own uh, coaching business and what we say and how we say it and, and our coaches, how can we get everyone to go to the next level? How can we actually help our clients break through to uh, realize that they can be one of those two or three percent that actually succeed at the highest level? And so, again, if you give everyone the same information, if you give everyone the same, you know, everything is identical. Everyone starts out when you join a coaching program, everything is the same. And yet we know that statistically over time, there'll be five or six percent of those folks that become top producers. Some of the biggest producers in the country are current or past uh, Tim and Julie Harris coaching clients. Fact. That's true. And on Bravo TV show, some of those people that you know, Tim and Julie Harris coaching clients. Biggest brokers, Tim and Julie Harris coaching clients. And this is, we've been in this business for a long time. So when you're doing anything for a long time, you're going to, that's, ha- how, it you know, that's how it goes, right? <laughs> otherwise, you're, decent at it. otherwise you're not going to be in business for a long time. Well, so why is it that those people succeeded at the highest level? And the reason I think ultimately really, really comes down to 
is the environment that they're in was probably not conducive uh, as they started to achieve success, but they were smart enough, or maybe it's not even smart, they were uh, ambitious enough, let's say, to be willing to look for a new group of people to attach themselves to, right? In other words, they started changing their environment. Maybe it wasn't physically. Maybe they didn't move out of their community. Maybe what they did is they started reading different books and exposing themselves to new ways of thinking. So that, in, in essence, those you know virtual relationships became, as I know you want to say, their, their masterminds, in essence, as yeah, Napoleon Hill right. says. So th maybe that's, well, that is the first place to start. And then as you become more successful, and then you choose, then if you're really going to be wanting to take yourself to the next level, chances are you're still not going to find anybody locally that's really going to support you. You're going to be, uh, you know, a real uh, anomaly amongst all these. You're, you're going to stick out. You're not necessarily going, you're going to be socially ostracized in some cases, in some places. This is just how humans work because you're too different than them. And those, in that time, maybe you need to move. Maybe you actually need to literally move from to work in a different market. Maybe you need to well, move up market. It could be as simple as changing brokerages too. Sure, because if that's you true. did like one deal last quarter and you got all the awards. That's a great example, Julie, I mean, really. I mean, because you know how agents are. They're, totally. I, I've had coaching clients tell me that, you know, they'll be at some awards thing and they'll be doing really great. And some agent will walk by and out of the side of their mouth say, well, you know, that's great, but I bet you don't have much family life or whatever the little shot across the bow is. Right. So sometimes it can be your immediate office that you're in. I have, you know, and we're not your broker, but I do get, you get comments from our coaching clients that say, I feel like you're my broker because you support me more. Again, we're not your broker. <laughs> but I understand that. Sure. I understand. I, you know, I have but had, it's not, you know, but there, yeah. but the thing is, is that it's not really the broker's job to provide that. No, really. that's right. But if the agents that are surrounding you or, you know, your office staff or whatever are not in absolute full on support of you, then you might be in the wrong environment. You yeah. Know? Well, we're, we're like their success family, basically. That, I mean, well, that's and, and that's what, what I wanted are. to say about our, our coaching clients, because what you said was, you know, um, when you're surrounded by people who are just like you and, and you have this, this ambition to do and be and see and have more, you know, you need to be amongst people who support that. And the interesting thing that happens that I see in our Facebook live daily sessions is that once one or two of them starts to demonstrate that they can do it, and they're doing it, and they are lather, rinse, repeating, making their uh, magic number, for example, then that starts to affect them in a positive way, right? So the ones that haven't, they're like, I want to be like that. I mean, I, if they can do it, I can do it. And they won't say anything right away, right? No, they'll so just ruminate it on a little bit. They'll ruminate, yeah. and then they'll, they'll, they'll show up and they'll say something. You know, I remember so-and-so said yeah. something last year, you know, 14 months ago or whatever, and I never will forget what they said. I carried it on with them, and you know what I've done since then? This is what I've actually done. Two actually rounds the bend on this point. Yes. And again, this is something Julie and I personally uh, experienced, and the reason I'm sort of on this little rant is because I want you guys to know if you're experiencing any headwinds, you're not necessarily getting support for your ascension, for becoming more successful in all areas of your life. It's kind of normal, unfortunately. You're going to experience that in society nowadays, especially when it comes to the idea of accumulating wealth where you can be financially free. There's definitely a lot of headwinds towards the idea of people not being dependent on pick your, you know, your government or what have you, right? Yeah. And it's almost looked at as, as someone who's wanting to be financially free is almost, uh, in some cases, seen as somebody you shouldn't trust, Almost sort of like they're, you know, for some reason they're stepping out of how they should be in society. Who knows what, why, and where? Who cares? Um, but for those of you who are experiencing that, I want you to know it's kind of normal. So that's number one. 
And number two, forgive the people, especially your families and your friends, for not understanding that you are indeed trying to improve yourself for, and you're trying to improve the life of your family and those you care and love about, care and love, but also to Julie's point, uh, when you become more successful, you're going to have people who you don't even know are paying attention to you start modeling after you. And it's going to be when you see your family members doing that, maybe you're maybe you're from some really poor rural area, someplace in the United States. And for some reason, I, I'm, I'm having coaching client names pop in my mind. And you decided that you're going to set the you know world ablaze and you're going to start selling hundreds of houses per year and you're going to accumulate rental properties and you're going to start having this big expansive life. Maybe you had some inspiration from a book you read or a series of books you read. Hopefully you attach yourself to us and you you know obviously have us as your wings, a wingman in your success plane. Well, what's going to happen is you'll see other agents in your marketplace that are going to start using you as their excuse not to be able to run their own four-minute mile. You guys, hoping I'm hoping you understand. I mean, no one believed you could do the four-minute mile until somebody did it, right? That's and maybe in your family, you're the first person that's actually going to run the four-minute mile. Maybe in your community, the same thing. Maybe in your church, your synagogue, your mosque, you're going to do something that nobody else thought could be done. And yes, you're, when you basically start doing it, you're going to make them insecure because they're all of a sudden going to start wondering why they're not doing it themselves and all sorts of psychological turmoil is going to commence. But stay on your path because that is your chosen path and you will never be satisfied with your life, no matter what age you are, until you've actually served your mission, which is to become the best version of you. And that is something that I have seen from coaching agents and Julian, I'm sure have experienced the same thing in all of our sure. other coaches, mm-hmm. that if there's one, like if I were to have one, if this is the only podcast you ever listen to, I just want you to remember this. It's never too late for you to become the best version of you. It's ne- you're never too young to start. And you're never too old to start right? Just start. And if you're at some place where you're finding yourself, you're comfortable and you're complacent and you're not improving your life and you've been slowly gaining weight and you're just exact and you're, oh my gosh, you're uh, hearing Julie and I, it's making you a little insecure. You don't like feeling insecure. So your ego is going to shut us down. It's going to stop listening, right? Your ego is going to stop actually allowing you to internalize the thoughts that we're hoping that you're going to have as a result of hearing this. And that means ultimately you're not going to move forward with your life. And that is a choice that you're going to make to the point that I was trying to make earlier. If you take 10 agents then you even put them behind the, you know, with the best coach in the United States, Julie Harris, she's only going to be able to really get maybe two or three of you to go to the next level because the rest of you are going to be too insecure about making yourselves become something that your environment is unfamiliar with. Yes, you have to become comfortable being uncomfortable. Yep. And you're really, your leading mantra should be, if it's meant to be, it's up to me. You've got to own it. And when you asked me before, you know, who, if you had to choose who would your next coaching clients be, it's the ones who own it and, and say, you know what, this is going to work for me. If it's meant to be, it's up to me. And I'll deal with all the rest of the stuff along the way. There is another so. type of, but if we were to look at yep. uh, the other group, the sure, non-new sure. agents, the seasoned veteran yeah. and whatnot, the ones in that group who, and, and I guess, Ultimately, if you want to think about of all the thousands of clients you've had, which are the most likely to succeed, Mm -hmm. they're the ones that have been in the business, but have gotten burned out in the bullshit, and they're actually ready to do what's necessary. Yeah, they're crying uncle. They're like, this is my business. I'm, you know, they're all in, but for whatever reason, they finally decided, you know, I got to do something different, because if I keep doing what I'm going to do, I'm going to keep getting what I'm getting, and maybe I'm you know, quote, stuck. We've had lots of coaching clients that come to us like, I've done 10 million in volume year after year after year. Well, so how do I get to 20? What do right. I have to do? I know how to do 10. It's not a bad place to be stuck. 
but it's not good enough for me. I need to change my ways. And those definitely are coachable as well. Well, so if they've been in the business during this buying leads era, which really basically yeah. commenced in 2007 in earnest mm -hmm. anyway, and they've never known anything else other than buying business, and they just think that's normalized, and everyone around them is doing the same dumb thing, and they, you know, what you guys don't realize when you start doing running your business the, the way pretty much everyone else tells you to do it, you're going to make virtually no money as net profit. Your net profit is going to be 7-8% max. That's before taxes. Less and less. Than you less might as well not have even have actually some of you who build up these big teams and spend all this money on buying leads. You know, they, of course, get all the attention, the plaques and the awards, but they're not making that much net profit. Your suspicions, listeners, are correct. They're spending all their money just for the accolades at the end of the day. Okay, so but what happens is, is eventually someone, one of those types are listening to Julie and I. They don't like what we're saying because they don't want to suffer the indignity in their minds of admitting that the yeah, path they've been it. on is uh, not the one that's going to get them to where they wanted to be financially. And some of them are going to shut us down and say, listen, I'm not ready to hear this because in doing so, I would have to take some ownership for having made bad business decisions in the past, buying all that business, buying all those postcards, doing all that branding, you know, playing work theater versus doing the real work. Those agents are the ones that are the hardest to coach because they're for not sure. quite ready for the truth. But the ones on the other side of that, mm -hmm. they're the best agents to Absolutely. coach. They're the ones that mm -hmm. you don't have to convince that the other stuff is malarkey. They're the ones that basically yeah. have been up and down the mountain. Through it. They yeah. lived through it. And they know what we're saying is true. Yes. So I hope those of you who are wherever you are in this learning spectrum take seriously what we're offering you and what you can learn from basically becoming one of our coaching clients. Because at the end of the day, guys, this is the quickest way for you to make the money uh, that you deserve. Well, it's up for you to decide if you deserve it. But you could earn uh, helping other people primarily sell houses. I mean, our business is always going to be based primarily on the listing side of things. So do the smart thing, guys. Take the actions necessary to become one of our coaching clients. Just text the word uh, success to 47372. Text the word success to 47372. Text the word success to 47372. And we'll text you back a link where you can join um, as a premier coaching member for around $100 a month. You can join with us in our coaching program and this is with a daily semi-private coaching call with one of our coaches every single day except Saturday and Sunday. You get everything, listing presentations, pre-listing packs, um, you know, everything you can possibly need to scale up your real estate business. You've read Harris Rules. You've listened to the podcast forever. This is the next natural step for you. Text the word SUCCESS to 47372. Or you can just, if you're listening to us on your desktop or whatever, you can just go to timandjulieharris.com, click on Coaching. First option is Premier Coaching, and join. Like I said, you can join for around $100 a month. So, yeah, that was, an, I think, a uh, – we do need to – you know, the funny thing is, is mm -hmm. if people were to be as – uh, I think transparent, I hate that word, it's overused, but yeah. I'll be. I'll use the word I actually was thinking of, what? honest about mm -hmm. answering that question. Yes. And it's not on the other side of a bunch of hours of self-improvement and dream boards and blah, blah, it, blah. if it just yeah. basically comes down to acknowledging the fact that essentially they're, 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 uh, the comfort level, the discomfort level yeah. that they're willing to sustain mm -hmm. is, not is not enough for them to actually elevate themselves to where the level that they want to go. Yep. And then if you help them to identify the little subconscious sure. jabs that they're getting from – it's not just people, by the way. It, can happen, it happens from media. It happens from society. It happens sometimes from just everywhere around you. You're being encouraged to stay the same. You're being encouraged to stay a gear in the machine. And you and your heart don't want to be that person anymore. Well, I'm here to tell you, and Julie and I are thousands of our coaching clients are living proof of it. It's going to be up to you 
to be willing to actually put yourself in that position where you're the crab that finally makes its way out of the bucket. Yeah, and it's not uncomfortable all the time. You're actually going to be more uncomfortable for a larger amount of time if you don't take action. Well, uncomfort eventually as you get older grows mm-hmm. into something else. Complacency. Well, I'll, I'll tell you again the word I was really thinking of. Yeah. A quiet despair. Yeah. Because what happens as you get older, when you haven't done the things in your life you know you could have done, those thoughts and those emotions don't go away. They're still there. The inner desire to have been and done something else with your life or other things in your life, you know, but you didn't do it because, and that you now are looking back. Building that story. Right. You're building, you're looking back and you're realizing that the reasons that you didn't do those things, uh, again, especially when you're being completely honest with yourself and you're, you're being introspective. Those reasons, you're going to be incredibly disciplined with yourself about having allowed to uh, determine your results. No, but it doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't. Take action today. And, and the best stories I like personally from coaching clients mm-hmm. are the, the ones where they're like in their 60s and their 70s. Yeah. Didn't we have – I was going to ask you this. Didn't we have a coaching client, a lady that joined and she was like in her early 90s? Yes, it's been a while, but yeah. It's been a while, right? Yeah. Do you remember what state she was from? I remember we talked about her on our podcast. I but... thought she was a California agent, but – yeah, I that was remember. so awesome, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, and well, you know, we've had coaching clients. I remember um, one of them that's come through and been very successful. He's 75 now, I think, a big broker in Hawaii, actually. Oh, yeah, yeah. And also managed some vacation rentals and had a really interesting business. His daughter worked for him. So, you know, it's never too late unless you wait, okay? So this don't re- do not do that. This really is an incredible today. industry. It really is an amazing It's a huge business. blessing. I mean, yeah. where else can you have your income go up with inflation without <laughs> yeah. asking? I mean, come on. Okay, so do we have time to get to where we're at? Okay, so you didn't get the listing. Why not? Now, why did I decide to make this our next podcast series? Well, you guys all know, not just because we're constantly harassing you to become listing agents, but because, you know, the inventory issue, right? So listings are like hen's teeth right now. Everybody wants them. And when there's fewer to go around, that means you're way more likely to compete Even if you don't think that you're competing, assume that you are competing, okay? So fact, of all the activities in real estate, listings require the highest skill level. That's true. It's mental labor versus working with buyers, which is physical labor, especially now. Myth, and I don't know who started teaching this. I think working with buyers has become emotional labor, too. It's definitely emotional (laughs) labor, psychological labor. You know what? That's a good subtle point that you said. So when you're working with buyers, you're out there giving away your nights and your weekends. It's physical labor in the literal sense. Pieces of your soul. Right, exactly. (laughs) Julie's not trying to be flippant, but it's physical labor. Not so dissimilar in some markets to digging a ditch, let's say. Whereas working with sellers, it is about skills. It's about you know using the phone. It's about knowing what to say and how to say it. It's knowing. It's about helping the people through questions move towards the desired result, which is obviously positioning yeah. the house in the market to sell. It requires skill and strategy and it, thought. And the yeah. awesome thing about that is once you accept the fact that one is a physical labor, one is a mental labor, a skills-based labor, once you learn that skill, it's transferable. You don't want to live in Ohio anymore like Julie and I did. For whatever reason, Julie's allergies, the weather, you can then move to a different part of the country. And those listing that listing-based skill set is transferable to any place you want to live, not just in the United States, guys, but in many places in the world. It's awesome. Okay, so here's the myth. This one drives me crazy. People are out there, they're not even coaches, trainers, office managers, brokers, whatever, who are teaching you that it's okay and that you can expect to list maybe 50% of what you go on in terms of listing appointments versus listings taken. Now, here's a fact, which I hope is true for most of you. You wouldn't accept a grade of 50% from your kids, so why do you think it's acceptable for you? So let's take a look at the top 10 reasons agents don't walk away with signed paperwork on the listing appointment. 
So whoever, I know it's still out there, whoever's got that in your head, well, just expect to take half of it. That's so lame. Why do you think people say that? Uh, well, I think a lot of people, maybe that's been their experience. Well, that, Because they never got the skill, so they make it okay for everybody else. Well, uh, And they don't know how to coach you to do better. All those things, and I'll say what's more, is because they don't want to have to be account. If you're paying someone to help you get uh, better at listing houses, and you only list half of them, um, and they tell you that's what you should expect, that that's normal. then that, that makes it easier for them because they can just say, well, you listed half the listings you went on versus if what Julie and I say is you should not accept anything less than, frankly, 100%, yeah. but you get a passing grade, obviously, at 90%. And our system is, you know, I'm not going to guarantee in every market, in every condition, it's going to get you that result. But generally speaking, if you follow our system, you're going to do exceedingly well, hell of a lot better than 50%. Um, so here's the interesting thought for you. If I didn't have the confidence and Jules and I didn't have the confidence in our system that we, if, frankly, if we didn't have a system, if it's like most of our competitors where they're just basically an idea bazaar, then I would hell yeah say 50% of the yeah. time is good because okay. then you can't hold you know me accountable for well, the higher If uh, I lower your expectation, right. then you can't hold me accountable. Exactly. There you are. Like if you went into a restaurant and they said, yeah, well, you know. Um, and, the, and the slogan was 50% of the time, we won't give you food poisoning. <laughs> like, and you walk out of the restaurant yeah. and you're like, okay, well, let's see. Let's give it a few hours. And hot damn, I'm not well, sick. 50% of my heart surgery is you end up living. I'm going back there. <laughs> Bring it on. Okay, here's another fact. Listing agents make more money and have more solid businesses and more free time than buyer's agents. The more listings you have, the more security you'll have mentally, emotionally, and financially. And I would add in this market, psychologically. Well, okay. So as a listings, uh, if you're going to be focused on listings primarily, you, what you should be, by the way, <laughs> you're going to get your nights and your weekends back. You're yes. going to get vacations uh, back. You're going to get it. So you can control. start going, you're going to get control. You're not going to feel, you could take, oh, wait for it, wait for it, the weekends off. Ooh. You can work normal weekdays, normal working hours. You don't have to basically be beholden to buyers. When you're working with buyers, you are working when they're not working, which means you're going to be working when, frankly, you'd rather be spending time at the beach or with your family at the softball teams. What burns people out is working with buyers because you're seeing and feeling the turmoil, the conflict between not spending time doing the things that you are obligated to do as a human and not earning money. It's it's a conflict. You don't get that from the listing side of the business if you run your business the way we prescribe in our coaching program. Yeah, so last fact, just to drive the point home, and then we're going to start, we'll, we'll do one of the top reasons they don't walk away with listings. Okay, fact, becoming a successful aid, listing agent is the most challenging, most skill-based, highest, highest paid part of your job. Not becoming great at this is actually a liability to your career. So make the commitment to learn the most important part of your job as a real estate professional, and that is being the listing agent. You know, we have uh, most of our coaching clients, I have to say, get mm -hmm. to the point where they're so successful at listing houses, uh -huh. they just stop working with buyers altogether. This is true. And they'll they'll henpeck, and this is the way we did in our, our career, in sure. our businesses. You and I basically were, at some times we had, uh, I mean, we had at one point close to 100 active listings, which mm -hmm. is batshit crazy, but we did. Yep. But we were real comfortable around 30 to 40 listings. Yes. Sometimes it would drop around to 15, but mm -hmm. right on 30 we were good perfect because yep. we knew what our magic number was we knew the certain number would sell and the average commission it became we, predictable it became predictable right and we didn't want to work buyers anymore nope. but we would still work certain buyers and the criteria sure. is very simple ideally they're going to spend a lot of money ideally <laughs> so it makes yep. it really worth your time you like them 
Yes, so they're, they're not combative. They're not combative. And if they have a, if you're uh, listing their house, you and you're working with them on the buy side, well that's an advantage as well. Now what we we did have buyers agents, when we quickly realized that buyers agents was the uh, was an exercise in futility assuming your goal was profit, and this was, you know, back in the 90s, though it was very difficult to make buyers uh, profit off buyers agents back then even. Uh, we, we got rid of all of them and we decided to no longer have buyer's agents. And Julie and I had the epiphany. Why don't we just start referring out the buyer leads we get from all these listings to independent agents who love, 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 love working with buyers. And there's lots of them. That's right. And we started making more net profit off the referral fees than we ever did having the agents work for us as part of our team. Now, our, our braggable numbers went down because... Normally, when you have a team, one of the biggest reasons people do buyer agent teams is if that buyer agent happens to sell 10 houses in a year and you've got 10 agents that are doing that, you've just increased your production by over 100 units. And that makes your numbers look good. Doesn't mean you made any profit. So you're doing it not for business reasons. You're doing it for ego reasons. That's not a business way of thinking. That's right. You know what a large chunk of our coaching is right now is coaching agents who have previously been very heavy with buyers who recognize their listing track, they are getting listings, they're building their magic number while they're still dealing with buyers. It's a time management thing that yeah, we're yeah. helping them with, right? Because there is a transition into being able to refer your buyers to referral agents. For sure. But that's a big part of what we do. Yeah. And that's all right. Okay, so top 10 reasons that maybe you didn't actually take the listing that you thought you were going to. Number one, and this is by and large a grizzled veteran mistake, but anybody can make it. You assumed that it was yours and you were lazy in your presentation. You took the business for granted. This manifests in several different major mistakes. You showed up late or you didn't give a real presentation, or maybe it was a lack of pre-qualifying questions. You didn't look professional. You didn't act professional. You weren't careful about price. Right. You know, some other mistakes are things like rescheduling and not looking or sounding your best. So a lot of this is the grizzled veteran with a repeat client or somebody in their center of influence. Or even a family member. Even a family member, and you're just far too assumptive. This can sneak up on you where, you know, they they felt that. Actually, one of our coaching clients got one away from somebody like that last week where, I think I said that maybe before, where the, the seller thought they were going to list with a friend of theirs. That they, I think it was like a golfing buddy or something. Well, we gave them a, yeah. we tell them the script. Yeah, well, and our our coaching client ended up taking the listing. They had kind of written it off because the person had actually said, I think I'm going to list with Bob, right? Mm -hmm. And then he got the call and he said, you know, I Bob came over and he just, I just not comfortable listing with him. He, I mean, he didn't even really price the house and you've been following up with me so much. I think maybe it's time that we met. And so, I was so proud of them for, for doing that. So here's the conversation outline, AKA script that we teach you in the coaching program. And I'm not going to get this perfectly. So that's okay. But here's, the here's the gist of it. And this, this will happen in your listing career. You're going to, again, you're going to be sitting across it. You're pre-qualified somebody. You and maybe they said that you're competing against two other agents and you get there and you're the last agent there. You're following our listing presentation. Exactly. But sure enough, someone else snuck in that's going to come in after you and it's their you know, Bob who just got his license or Betty that they knew in high school who they didn't even know sold real estate. They feel emotionally obligated to give this person a yes. shot or, you know, even tighter is going to be a family member. And, um, and so here's what we teach you guys to say in the coaching, in, in the coaching program. And again, for those of you who are been in our coaching program, you're going to be pissed when I get the script wrong, but this is the gist of it. We want you to tell them a story. And this is act, this actually happened to yours truly when going on a listing appointment. Um, and it, but you can, you know, use this story, condensing it to your own, um, it, you know, for your own, uh, use. Right. So 
So Julie just said to me, I'm going to, you know what? My neighbor down the street is going to list a house. You know, she, I'm sorry. She's a friend from high school. She has a real estate license. She found out I was putting my house for sale. I've decided I'm going to list the house uh, with her, or I'm thinking of listing the house with her. Mm-hmm. And then here's, and here's what basically what you're going to say. Uh, Julie, can I tell you why, you know, I appreciate the fact you're, if you feel obligated to list with your friend, but sure. can I tell you why that might not be a, the greatest of sure. ideas why for you? Why is that? Well, I was on a listing appointment, and this mm-hmm. and this really happened, listeners. I was on a listing appointment, and I was sitting across the table just like I am now. Mm-hmm. Or actually, there's another little tip: don't sit across mm-hmm. the table. Uh, try to sit next to them. Don't be because across uh, puts you in oppositional, uh, pers- uh, you know, emotional opposition to them. So try to sit next to them when talking about things like price and talking about net sheet, anything that, that, that could potentially be emotional. Don't put yourself across from them. But if you're presenting them to them and you're using our listing presentation, then it's okay to try to sit a- across from them. Okay. So just be strategic. All this is uh, we coach you guys how to yep. exactly where to sit at the table, exactly what to say and how to say it's part of our coaching program. All right. So, um, well, so I'm across, I'm sitting, I'm talking with a, a gal and I'm to, you know, I'm going to guess I'm terrible guessing ages, but I'm going to guess she was probably 80 years old. And I was, a, she had a beautiful house to sell. She had another house. She'd already selected that she was going to move into a condo if I remember correctly. And so I'm sitting there and, you know, I thought I was going there to get the listing. I, you know, answered all of her questions and the listing paperwork was on the table and she was about to sign it. And then she said to me, you know, my neighbor down the way is, you know, Betty. And um, I've known Betty since high school and she has a real estate license. I sit next to her at church and, and I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to put a bunch of pressure on her to, you know, throw Betty, her best friend from high school under the bus. And I, so I stopped and I, you know, put my hand on the paperwork and I assumed that she was going to escort me to the door. And I said, so does, you know, I assume you're going to be listening with your friend then again, I know that's not the greatest of object and handling scripts guys, but the point was this really did happen. And this is what she said. And this became my objection handling script. Ready? Yes. All right. So I said to her that and I was being really nice and respectful, you know, and uh, so this, <laughs> I'll never forget this. I remember. All right. So she so gets, funny. she, she gets up from her table. She's sitting basically across from me. Not really across, but I mean, it was a round table, but you guys get the idea. So she gets up. She's a small little, you know, Julie's size. <laughs> Pipsqueak. Pipsqueak. And she, she gets up from the table and she, she, you know, not stands all the way up, just leans on the table, leans forward, puts the glasses down on the ri- uh, the bridge of her nose, leans towards me. Like, I don't know, like she's, she's about to get punched. I mean, really, she got real close to me, like face. She definitely wasn't being a COVID, uh, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> right. Okay. So she got within probably six m- uh, inches of me. And she looked at me in the eye and she said, hell no, honey. I want someone I can yell at. I know. It was so funny. <laughs> well, but, but the point is accountability, isn't it? Right. But so I, from that, I used that from to, to whenever to I was. To tell a story. To tell a story. So whenever I was in another listing appointment where someone was thinking about listing with a friend or a family member, I would tell that story. And everyone always laughs, right? And then, but the point is, is what she was thinking was she doesn't want to mix her business and personal relationships. And Mr. and Mrs. Seller, you might not want to either, because here's a fact. You, there are going to be potentially things that come up in the the sell of your property, which are going to be, you know, things you don't necessarily want your friend or your family member knowing about. Financial things, or maybe there's some personal stuff. This is the reason you hire a professional, so you can keep your personal relationships personal and you can keep your business relationships to someone to her point that you can yell at if necessary, right? Yeah. You're not going to yell at your best friend from high school if she, for example, if, you know, somebody leaves the lights on or lets your dog out, right? You're not going to yell at her because you want to keep her as a friend. Now, look at how you're, you're working that script, though, okay? Because I'm not sure they're all following that. Number one is, remember when you tell a story about somebody else, 
it removes the ego from the person that you're talking to. It's not about them. It's about right. this person. I'm just, you know, letting you know this is a story. Okay, so then the second thing is that um, you're making it a good thing, right? You're not you're not throwing her friend Betty under the bus, nope. as you said. You're you're actually being very respectful of that relationship and reminding them that you know you're going to run into each other after this transaction settles. And you know when you're playing bridge in a couple weeks or a couple months, you do you really want to be talking about your personal financial stuff? You don't you want to protect that fr- uh, friendship? You're making it a good thing, not being in contention. Like, gosh, you know, why would you want to do that? Now, if you combine this with her friend down the way, who probably wasn't really, uh, you know, that professional as certainly as you are as a, one of our coaching clients, you probably didn't send a pre-listing pack, probably right. didn't pre-qualifier, probably didn't dress up professionally. Probably, uh, back to my my back story to, about our exactly. client who won because the other person was too assumptive. So that is a big trap. That's fine, Julie. We got okay. one point done. We'll get the rest of them um, over the next couple of shows. So we talked about a variety of things on today's podcast, as we always love doing. Yes. And hopefully you guys are feeling yourselves emotionally moving forward, at least. Maybe letting go of some of the things that have been holding you back. But the key to keep that momentum is definitely going to be the actions you take. Ultimately, that's the ultimate determinant of where you're going to be a minute from now, you know, 10 years from now, 100 years from now. It's the actions you take today. Um, And so I strongly encourage you to become one of our coaching clients because if you like the podcast, if you like our book, if you like all the other things we've done for the last two decades, you're going to love the coaching program. Go over to timandjulieharris.com, click on coaching, go to Premier Coaching and join for around $100 a month. It's that simple, right? And then you can become a premier coaching member. And then when Julie and I are talking about the, the, you know, the successes and the victories of our coaching clients, they're going to be the stories that you told us from you following yeah, our system. about you. Right. That's what we're looking forward to doing. Indeed. Anything else you'd like to say to these guys? Get to work. Get to work. Amen. Mm-hmm. All right, guys, have a fantastic day. We'll talk to you on the show tomorrow. This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris, Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs, visit our website at timandjulieharris.com. Remember to tune in weekdays at noon for upcoming shows. And until next time, thank you for listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. Thank <laughs> you.